Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I'm not your life coach, just a girl who never gives up. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. I am so excited to be here today with you and one of my New York friends. His name is Ryan Perez. He is an actor and a podcaster and a writer living in New York City. We talk all about the plight of becoming an actor, the struggles of the industry, some of his favorite plays, the work he's currently doing, his journey to get there, all of the things. And what I love is his candor about the industry and the reality of the fact that it's so challenging to make it. And you can just hear his passion over the phone. And I love that so much. Um, as you guys always know, I give you a little bit of a background on how I know the guests because I'm still at the point. I'm still new enough that I'm able to reach into my own network. And Ryan is someone I've known since early 2014. Actually, the very first time I ever went to New York, I went with one of my ex-boyfriends. And Ryan is a good friend of his. Um, I actually forget how they know each other. I'm, my guess is uh, from the music industry. Um, but nevertheless, I met Ryan. Obviously, we started following each other on Instagram, and then when I went back um, with some girlfriends for my 25th birthday, he was super fun. It took us out, showed us a good time, um, and recently when I was in New York, um, we met up with him at Rose Bar. Jeff and I did, and it's just he's just a nice person, hard worker, and I so respect his hustle, and he has a lot of light to shed on the industry, and um, I just, again, I have to recognize hustle when I see it and talent and I know he is gonna do big things because he's so freaking determined so I hope you enjoy this episode as always if you have any questions at all let me know Uh, feel free to give some feedback on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined and um, bear with me on some of the audio quality you guys I'm still new to doing this myself and um, slash having Jeff help me and neither of us are good at the stuff so uh, there's a couple parts where it's not perfect, but please bear with us and just enjoy the content and the stories. Um, thank you so much. And without further ado, here is Ryan Perez. How are you doing? I am so good. I'm like, it's funny. I have like a list of, like when I started my podcast, and I'm sure you did the same, I had like a list of people. I'm like, you know what? These are the people I'm going to reach out to in phases. This is who I want. Here's my dream list. And I was going back through old notes, and like your name was written like in multiple places. So this is, I'm so pumped. Oh, that means so much. That's so cool. I'm excited. Good. Well, I always start with a quote. So I I usually start with a quote and then like one typical question. And from there, it kind of flows into whatever. Um, And today's quote is, um, I'm actually not sure who said it, but it just says um, something pretty, I don't know, generic, but meaningful, which is um, you are always one decision away from a different life. So I'd love to know how that speaks to you. Totally. I think it's one of those things where uh, when it comes to the gym, you know, like it's such a cliche saying, but like 90% of the battle is getting there. You know, like sometimes when I look at those CrossFit workouts, I'm just like, oh, man, I could like move towns and nobody would ever know, you know, like I don't, you know, but like once you make the decision to get there and then you do it, it's just like, oh, God, you know, that feeling of like, I think there, you know, obviously there's that, you know, celebration of making it to the gym, but that celebration of making it to the gym when you like 
absolutely did not want to be there is mm-hmm. is is something on its own. Yeah, that totally turns the day around. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, even if like you know like that you had the best excuse in the world. Once you do it, you're like, ah, yeah, I'm glad I did this. Yeah, and it seems like it, that's probably where you know, you know it on a deeper deeper level, but that's where like the addicting part of workouts like comes to play because oh totally like yeah you're constantly in search of that high mm-hmm. yeah and, um and so the second question i always ask people is you're sitting on a plane and i ask this question i ask this question to people because when somebody asks you what do you do sometimes for a lot of the people i'm interviewing it's quite challenging to answer that because they do a lot of different things so i'd love to know if someone asks you, what do you do? How you would answer? You see, that's such a tricky one for me because if I say, oh, I'm an actor, they're like, oh, wow, so cool, you know? And then especially because, like, you know, I dress like a f- asshole and, <laughs> and 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 people just like, oh, wow, he really is an actor. Uh, so it's tough because then they're like, well, tell me. You know, what, what What are you working on? And it's like, uh, well, I just had an audition for The Deuce. You know, and they're like, oh. And then I'm like, yeah, I did a play. And they're like, oh. And then right away, you can just see their interest diminish by the second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it depends, you know, like if, if, uh, if, I, if I feel they're, you know, can handle a joke, I tell them uh, I'm a neck. NASCAR driver and uh and then other times I just I just say I'm an actor well and what do you I mean tell for the audience listening like obviously the life of an actor is very inconsistent with regards to when you have a job when you have auditions things like that but you do other stuff too you know you're podcasting you are working other jobs like talk to us about what it's like to manage all those different things especially with the unpredictability of you know, Garrett, I think the thing about this business that's just such a bummer is like, you know, like this, I can't tell you how often this happens to me. It's like, you know, you'll randomly see this new actor and you'll be like, where did this guy come from? You know what I mean? This guy just came out of the woodworks, like, and you'll like their work and you're like, oh, I, I like this guy, you know, like, wow. And then you start to do a little bit of research and then it's like nepotism, 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 you know, and it's, it could be so frustrating in the sense that it can feel like this game is rigged. You know what I mean? It's like so many, so many people I know that are having the good careers either come from parents that are in the business or come from enormous wealth, like, you know, like enormous and I don't want to name names, but I'm sure the audience could figure out who I'm talking about. And, and I'm not to say that some of these people don't have talent, you know, but like when when daddy owns a hedge fund, you know, one phone call to Paramount or to CAA and you're good to go, you know, whereas the rest of us, we're starting from square one. And, and, and most of the time, you're lucky in this business to have an agent. Most people don't. You know, and for so long, you know, your whole life is built on getting auditions, but you can't get auditions unless you have an agent, you know, so you're just kind of like 
busting your ass, going on the trades, going on any website, going to literally humiliating college casting auditions that just like to just take your soul out of you. And you're doing that in the hopes that an agent will see five seconds of that movie and be like, oh, yeah, wow, Garrett, talented. I, I think I might have to sign her, you know? And that's what it is until you get an agent. And then even when you get an agent, it's like uh, you're going out for, for Hallmark Christmas movies, you know? So it's it's like, you know, there's this, there's this, uh, this TV show. It's my favorite TV show of all time. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called The Wire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's this cop and there's this young guy. And the young guy's name is Bodie. He's one of the best. But, you know, they've been foils because the guy's a cop. And the other guy's just like, he is a career criminal. He's mm-hmm. he's not giving up his boys. And there's this beautiful shot in, like, I think it's the final season where the cop takes the, the guy to get sandwiches. And he turns to him, and he's just like, man, this game is rigged. And it's like, that's exactly how I feel about it. I can't imagine. But I think what you're telling, like, right now to the listeners is that you're in it. You're in the hustle. like, and it's Yeah. And 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 I'm sure – yeah, I'm sure hearing all this is frustrating, you know, and I I wish I had – I'm going to get trouble for saying this, but Alec Baldwin, you know, once told me, you know, he taught me at NYU. Oh, really? And he had like, four, he chose 14 of us. And he just like, I just saw the despair on his face. And he was like, guys, this business is so tough. Like, I am the only one from my class to have done anything. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 what a lot of people whether you're starting a business or you're building something i mean there's so much uncertainty in in anything that's going to be worthwhile and totally like i'd love to know like when did this start for you when why you but like did you know when you were five like oh i want to be an actor like how did this start for you i think i knew it like seven i uh yeah i i saw back to the future and then I saw, uh, God, I can't even remember what it was on, because it was VHS at the time, but like, you know, the equivalent of like uh, behind the scenes features. And the idea of this movie set, I was just like, you know, it's like one of those things where I, I don't want to get too into this, but like, I'm an atheist, right? And I have no problems. A lot of people have religion. I, I hate, I'm sober, I get it, whatever you need. But a lot of people talk about this, like, experience that they have, where it's just like they knew they had this higher calling, you know? And it's like, the second, I know it sounds so cheesy, but the second I saw that, and I saw the behind the scenes, I was like, I'm meant to do this. And and knowing that so young is, is really a blessing and a curse, because, you know, it's the hardest business in the world to make it in. But, like, at the same time, I'm sure you can relate. You're lucky enough on this on this planet, you know, in this life to have any sort of job that gives you value, that makes you excited, you know. And that's why I continue to pursue this. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, I can deeply relate, and it's once you find that thing that makes you tick, it's hard to ignore it. And, like, talk to us about your journey. I know you've lived on different coasts. You're, you're from Virginia originally? Yeah, so it's embarrassing to admit, but uh, so I grew up in Virginia, and I moved to NYU. And I don't know if you spent a lot of time around theater kids, but uh, there was a lot of those. And okay. and I just like I hated everyone. You know, everyone was like <laughs> everyone was breaking out in song and dance all the time. And I'm like, oh my god! Like you're an actor, you don't have to be on every five seconds. Ooh, and amazing. yeah, and I I really didn't like mesh well, and I didn't really have any friends. And my best friend died, and I was kind of like, man, you know, like, this is this is bullshit. I'm spending $250,000 a year. And so I decided to drop out. And uh, when I dropped out, I got a tour from one band to go on tour with them. And then I got an offer from another band called Jack's Mannequin, and I went on tour. I didn't know yeah. That. Yeah. I went, I went on tour with Jack's Mannequin for, like, two years. What were you doing? I did merch and documentary video. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. I love that but, band, by the way. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And then uh, the classic thing happened. The band broke up. And it was like, I remember we were in Boston, of all places. Yeah. And he had a radio interview. And, oh, God, he's going to kill me for saying this. But, like, he had a radio interview. And on that radio interview, he talked about how... Jack's mannequin was over and he's done with all he wanted with the band. And then like, we all heard that and we were like, Oh fuck. <laughs> we're out of wood. Yeah. And it was, I think he told the, the, the actual band guys, but I think the crew dudes did not know. Yeah. And you know, I get it, man. Like that, you know, the, the second that band started, he got sick. So it was just like one thing after another of bad memories in that band. Uh, and um, so I was kind of in a weird place then. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to get a job. And I was living with this girl. You know, I got a job opening like boxes at the Apple store. And let me tell you, that was the most miserable job of my life because oh. I cannot time just goes by so slow i i actually had a, a job for only it was only like a week but i had to i had to unpack boxes of beer cups so i feel you very deep oh god that. it's just debilitating <laughs> so i started freaking out and i was like you know man i'm i'm gonna be screwed in life if i don't go to college and because i had been out of nyu for so long i had to reapply and i got in and I went back to acting and then like I booked a movie and then I booked the thing without Baldwin. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I could do this. So I think I really had to, had to find my voice again. And that was a process because the biggest thing standing in my way was drugs and alcohol. And I had a lot of people say, you know, Ryan, man, don't fuck this up, dude. Like, you're talented, but that ain't enough. And I just kind of was a cocky little shit. And I did fuck it up. And I graduated and 
I took a job as like a janitor, like mopping a bar. It was like, oh my God, it was awful. And then I started bar backing. And then I used to do this thing where I would go to LA because I thought it would help me get sober. You know, I would like, I would, I would be like, oh, I'm going to LA because palm trees and beaches and mountains. Yeah. And that would work for a time. And then I, you know, the problem would just continue. And I did that really, so sad to admit, I did that for about two years where I would go, where I would go there for six months. I would come back, I would go. And then not only is nothing happening, like I had to accept the news. I was like, oh, you're drug addict and alcoholic. And I had to get clean. And I did. And it wasn't easy. You know, it, it wasn't a linear journey. And like CrossFit, too, just since I followed you over the years, like CrossFit was like a big part of that for you. A hundred percent. You know, like I think CrossFit saved my life, not only in that regard, but, you know, when you look, look at those workouts and the programming of them, it's impossible. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's like a thousand pull-ups. You got to be kidding me, dude. Like. And then somehow every workout I've been able to get through it. And that is like kind of taught me that like, wow, man, you can really do the impossible. Mm-hmm. And and it saved my life. It's really been the best thing that's ever happened to me. That's so incredible to hear. And I think a lot of people listening, especially from my background in fitness, can relate to that because it's like the one thing that you can control, you know, you just show up there every day and it's going to, like we started the episode, like it's going to turn your life around. Even if yeah, you that out. totally. And like, you know, for the very small drug and alcoholics out there, it's like, you know, when you're doing that, you're beating the shit out of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You might as well beat the shit out of yourself and get a really sweet body out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm curious, like, when did you, because I, I followed your journey through um, Small Engine Repair. Yeah. And, like, you were, you had, did you write some of that? No, that was a play written by John Polono. That's what it was, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. How did you get into that? That seems to be such an amazing experience. That was a, such a long, so, 2013, I had my first real taste of heartbreak, mm-hmm. and, um, I literally had some friends come up to New York on that were just they were on suicide watch, you know, and they were with me and they were like, you know, man, you know, you you know how it is when you're in that state, you don't want to leave, you don't want to do anything. And they were like, Ryan, what can we do? Like, we just want to see you happy. And I was like, I don't want to do anything. I, and then I saw an ad for this play and it had like three actors this actor james bench james batchdale james ransom and a couple others whose work i really liked and i was like wow these guys are doing a play together these are like two of my favorite actors and i was like guys can we go see this play there i guess anything 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 you want to do and we went to see the play and it was just like it was just everything I needed in that moment. It just made me laugh for the first time. And like, not only that, my friends were not theater goers. They loved it. They, they were just dying laughing. And I remember being, I went to go see the play like five more times. 
And I remember being in the audience being like, you know what? One day I'm going to do this play. And sure enough, about five years went by and um, I decided to uh, do the balls thing and slide into his DMs being like, hey, man, I really want to do this play. Like, it, it means a lot to me. And he was, John could not have been cooler about it. Actually, it's, they they just did the movie, and he brought me. I'm not like I'm in it for a second, but I, it was cool to to see to go do the movie because the original cast was there, oh, so it all came full circle. Yeah, wonderful. yeah. Did it make you want to go that route with your career? Did it change your perspective on acting that way versus movie or TV? Uh, in in what regard? Like doing theater? Yeah. Yeah, I love theater. Theater is something I've always wanted to do, you know? Like, the problem with theater is, like, you know, it's hard to break into unless you have an MFA. And once again, going back to people with wealth is, like, you know, I'm 300000 in the hole from NYU for me to go to Juilliard, for me to go to Yale, for me to go to Brown. Yeah. Not, well, not Brown anymore. Brown's free this year. But that that's another $200,000 for not guaranteed work. You know, yeah. and it can be really tough in that way. But, yeah, I, I, I really love theater. And I told my agent to give me out more for it. How do you feel that social media helps or hurts uh, the acting industry? It's a double edged sword. I think I, I think it uh, I think it ruins it, you know, because I think people tend to compare and despair. And I think that uh, most of it's not real, you know? And I think it's funny. I rewatched The Matrix the other day, and I think these phones have certifiably become The Matrix, and we're all so plugged in all the time. And I don't think it's a good thing, you know? Like, I, I, I say this all the time, and I really mean it. The second I get any kind of clout, I'm getting a flip phone. Because <laughs> I just don't, I don't think we're meant to be inundated with this much information all the time. Yeah, I think it, it makes there be a humongous need for meditation. Like sometimes if I want to just like sit down for a second or take a nap or something and I close my eyes, all of a sudden like things I just saw on Instagram are like flowing through my brain. Like my brain's trying to like find a place to put it and the, like it doesn't need to put it anywhere because it's not important. Totally, right? yeah. How, how how do you feel having to do it for your book and for you know every other health post like yeah, it, it, that's kind of why I asked you because obviously you're in a arguably more competitive space but what I've learned is that I didn't know much about publishing books and the little that I learned was that kind of like you said it's very tough to get an agent and I don't have one and what I've learned from people who do that are podcasting about it is that Unfortunately, it's not necessarily like, oh, you get an agent and then you put it out to the world. Like A lot of these big publishers want to open your Instagram, see how many followers you have, and then you write a synopsis of not only your book, but here's why my content applies to my audience that is XYZ amount of followers on, you know, my, on my Instagram, which w was baffling to me because 
I don't have that type of clout and it just made me feel quite frustrated. But I do love it to connect. Like we've stayed connected over the years, you know. Totally. Like, so that's that's crazy that's moving over to the publishing world. I had no idea. Yeah. It's it's a bit stressful. But you know, it's like at the end of the day there's still like good talent will be found and I, I try to hold on to that and totally and again like you said before it's like once you have your mission or your purpose it's like you can't ignore it and you'll just keep down until you get it um which is is um good and bad but um I wonder like so what do you think like do you do you typically stay with an agent for a while do you go through phases with agents like how does that work it's a lot like dating you know an agent is like at first you guys have this like rainbow, like, oh man, I need you. And you're like, oh, I need you, you know? <laughs> and you're like, oh, great. And then you just kind of want to gallop off into the sunset together. And then, like any relationship, you know, reality sets in. And then you start to learn if you're a good fit for each other. And usually, most people, like in real life, aren't lucky enough to find the one on the first go. A moment ago, you used the word um, despair, and it made me think about your podcast. And you know, it's I've kind of used my podcast as a way to not only expand and grow my network, but build an audience and be able to hopefully write a second book that does well with or without an agent. And it seems like you've kind of used your podcast in a similar way to network and tell good stories. So, talk to us about that. I would love for you to share, you know, what you're doing. Yeah, uh, I um. A lot of these, you know, late night shows, they have, you know, it's like they have these publicists that, like, talk to the producers of Jimmy Fallon, and then they, like, talk exactly what they're going to talk about, and then they come out and they pretend all this is real, and it's so, it just, like, it offends me, you know, like, that, that. that late night, oh, yeah, the late night banter, it's all, it's all fake. Everything that they talk about is predetermined, mm-hmm. every little bit, you know, it's rehearsed. And there's no authenticity to it, let alone it's like the same A-list celebrities over and over and over. And, you know, obviously I'm an actor. Everyone dreams of being an A-list. But there's an entire sector of the entertainment industry, actors, producers, writers, who don't really ever get to tell their story. They're never on their shows, you know. And, like, it, t- it really takes a village to make this whole thing turn. And I thought... There's literally completely no one else doing this. And I wanted to sit down with some of these artists and some of these writers and hear their story and hear how they broke in. Wow, that's incredible. And what do you, um, how, how are you, are these just people like with me, like it's people I know, people I look up to, people I've looked up to for, from afar, like yourself. Like, how, are you kind of just starting with your network? Yeah, it's been my network. And then my network, and then it's been, like, friends of friends, and then now I'm finally getting to the point where I have a publicist that's helping me reach out to people I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fun. Like, I love love having these conversations. Yeah. You know, the the podcast is called An Actor Despairs. It's not live yet. I'm getting to 10 episodes, and then I'm going to release Netflix style in bulk. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm nervous. You know, like, I know I care about this. I don't know if the rest of the world does. I think I, uh, from my, like, perspective of doing this, I did a, a similar thing where I launched with a bunch kind of already live. And it, it seems like 
as long as you care about it, people will start to care too because they'll be able to feel that from you. Like I can feel it from afar with the post you've done. You know, oh, thank you. Like I, I, I'll definitely be listening. So I think it's um, it's exciting. Um, how are you? How much time are you spending on that? Like, are you going on auditions right now? Like, what's the biggest thing you're kind of working through right now? Auditions have been kind of slow because you know it's the summer mm-hmm. and most of the episodic stuff that starts filming for the fall picks up next month, but they're casting some things. I've had a couple auditions here and there. So really, I'm honestly, Garrett, I'm trying to write more. You know, I'm, 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 I'm my next question. Like, yeah, what you think about writing and if you are natural or I love writing. I don't want to say I'm a natural, but, uh, yeah, I think it's the only way in this business to really take control of your career. Well, you know, as an actor, you know, like you're, you know, you go in for an audition and you might have a great audition, but your hair color matches the leads. So they need a blonde, you know, you've got no control over that. You know what I mean? Like you go in for an audition, you know, you're, you kill it. They've already had three white guys in the last episode. They need a, a, a Latino. You know, so it's like you have no control over that. And, and sometimes it really is variables like that that are just like, what? And so <laughs> so the only way is to really create your own narrative. Yeah. What do you like to write about? Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm one of those. I'm probably is the the least. The most, the least goth, goth. I don't know, oh, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I tend to write about like darker things, and I, I love like coming of age stories, oh, particularly, particularly summer ones. So I'm working on like a summer coming of age story, and then uh, I'm working on with a friend. We're gonna see where it goes. It's a comedy TV show. It's 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 a little too heavily inspired by Van Wilder, which is why I don't know if it'll work. But it's uh, about a guy who is in rehab and he keeps uh, doing things to keep himself in rehab, mm. and he never wants to leave rehab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I like, it's like right at the thirty days, he takes a shot. You know. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, if you can't laugh at it, it's so paralyzing. Yeah. Then, you know what I mean? Like, it's the only way. Absolutely, yeah. And, and do you think, like, if you were to write your own ticket in this industry, like, where, what would you want it to, to say? Like, I, I'm an A-list actor or I'm a writer-producer. Like, what, what is it that you think, you know, that you hope to manifest? Acting is always my number one thing, but whatever I got to do to ensure that happens, I'll do it. That's amazing. And what has it been like? I mean, you've talked about the financial struggles and the fact that it's just timing. It could be not having the right agent. Like, is there anything else that you feel like has held you back? And what I'm kind of alluding to is the fact that um, in this industry and, and really in the, in the art of working for yourself and managing yourself, there's no routine, right? Every day is different in your life. And like, 
that's got to be hard to um, to stay consistent and to stay in a routine when you just never know when you're going to get a call. Like, how do you balance that? And it's important. You're, you're literally building, like, your entire life on a what-if, you know? Like, I, I, I work a job that only starts at 6 p.m. because there's never going to be an audition after that. You know, it's, it, 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 it's insane, you know? Like, most actors are just literally building, you know, working dead-end jobs for no pay just for a what-if. There's this great... There's this great Ryan Gosling quote, and it's in this movie that Alec Baldwin did as a documentary. And he says, you know, the thing with acting is, like, everyone shares the same dream, and the chances of them achieving that dream is never. But everyone does it anyway, you know? And no one is sure whether it's a premonition or delusion, and there's only one way to find out. I can like feel your energy of just like that. It's like such a big desire and so much uncertainty. And, um, but what we said getting in my way right now, and once again, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but honestly, I'm just going to say it straight white guys are not in season right now. Mm. I've lost so many roles because of that. And look, Hey, I get it. You know, diversity is all important but it gets to a point when you're feeling something just to fulfill a quota that makes that actor look bad and you're not getting the best person for the job oh that's tough i feel like there's always um like i feel like so many actors have the story of like not being the right fit by like a hair or like yeah oh, it's got to be so freaking frustrating um when you when you think about um, who you look up to and what who's had like maybe a career that you admire, is there anything that comes to mind? Because I feel like when I have people I can look to to show me like it's possible, it just makes me feel like even though the, the chances might be slim, that there might be like a sliver of reality if I can see someone else doing it. Totally, yeah. Uh... You know, I love this actor, James Batchdale, uh, Paul Sparks, Christian Bale. Um, he obviously got started really young. Benicio Del Toro, Glenn Fleshler, um, Happy Anderson. There, are, These are a lot of great New York character actors. Uh, yeah, um, I love Timothy Oliphant. He's great. Uh, so many. When you meet with agents, they always say, whose career do you see yourself having? Really? That's interesting. All that, yeah. Um, do, you, um, do you feel like there's anything you're doing, like, okay, you've mentioned CrossFit, you mentioned writing, like, you have a job, like, I similarly have a job that is at 5am because no one's going to bother me then. Like, I think it's like pick your poison, like late night, early morning, like something um, as like a side hustle. But is there anything else you do that just helps you stay clear-minded that helps you stay organized for all these different things that are constantly all moving and changing at any given time. Uh, the Stairmaster. Ooh, I didn't expect yeah. that from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go on there and I just do about 40 minutes of pure torture. And yeah, that's my therapy. Do you podcast? Do you, what do you do? 
Um, yeah, I do listen. I listen to, there's a podcast um, called the Brett Easton Ellis Podcast. I love his everything. I mean, no, I don't. He's got a lot of opinions I severely disagree with, but he's very intelligent, so I enjoy his podcast. And, and then uh, the actors on actors I love. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm a dude, so sometimes I listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. I mean, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Um, yeah. And uh, I have to ask this. Um, what, what, where does your obsession with the Murph come from? That <laughs> workout? Like, yeah, I feel like you are constantly talking about the Murph. And, like, I feel like most listeners know what that is, so I would love for you to speak to that. I remember when I saw the, the movie The Lone Survivor in, like, 2013, and I was, like, drink, I was like pretty much drunk the whole time I was watching it. And I remember, like, they have tons of Navy SEAL propaganda clips, and then they talk about the workout. And I remember just at the time, like, <laughs> this is really where my head was at. I was like, what a bunch of losers. Like, that kind of workout, like, who the hell ever needs to work out like that, you know? And then uh, I, I just remember thinking it was impossible, and, like, nobody ever needed to work out that hard. And now I am the sucker doing it. <laughs> Do you feel, do you feel like going through, like, you know, doing a bunch of, like, obviously it's an individual time, it's not like you're doing a team sport with CrossFit, but a lot of it is you spending time with other people in the gym often. Do you feel like most of your friends are from CrossFit or are from the acting world? Like, I feel like in a lot of ways when you're on a mission, and I can, again, I'm speaking from my own experience, but it can be super lonely, um, unless you're co-writing or something sure. like that. So. How do you feel like your like what does your support system look like in New York like as you pursue this? It's 50 percent CrossFit, fifty percent uh, the uh, acting. And do you feel like there's anything? I, I mean, for me, fitness is a huge networking tool. Like, there's so many people who are coming through that Barry's boot camp door at any given moment that could help me in any way, or I could help them. And I love that, but. Like, I know, like, yeah, I think twice or three times I've seen you at Rosebud, um, like, when I've been in New York, like, is there anywhere you go or any, any place that you frequent, um, which you, I can imagine would be challenging um, when you're sober, but any place that you go that you feel like is, like, a perfect spot to network for, at, like, as an actor? Soho House. Okay. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. You post a lot from there. Aren't you, like, yeah. supposed to take photos? Yeah, I know. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah god yeah so house is fun and i meet some cool people there and i love the environment but uh yeah i should not be taking photos <laughs> they're, like, they're like always like a little bit obscure like no one's like yeah oh, that's why that's what i do you know yeah. i do the quick walk like oh my god a photo oops <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you feel like when you are there and you're meeting creatives like are people to try to take things in their own hands like I feel like I'm seeing a little bit of that with social media and YouTube series and um, things like that it's almost like create it first and then see if it gets traction and then pitch that to somebody like how do you see that part of like how do you feel about the industry moving that way versus the traditional route um yeah you know I mean it 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 it, it, it it's changing I think for the first time nobody nobody knows where it's gonna go 
And, you know, we live in a content bubble and now every major network is going to do their own streaming service. And I don't think it's sustainable that, like, you know, Americans will own 14 streaming services, Universal, Warner Brothers, you know what I mean? And I think for the first time in history, nobody has any idea where it's going to go. And, and uh, you know, what happened in the music industry is now happening to the movie industry. And I think, um, you know, I'm both scared and and excited because you know things like video on demand and other there are other platforms i do think the smaller scale films will no longer play in theaters mm-hmm. i think only the marvel dc movies will be in theaters which is sad to say but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um yeah i can imagine that's like a little bit adds another whole entire layer of uncertainty it's like what yeah is, is what i'm doing today gonna somehow come back to me later is it going to help me in any way if i like you know what we're learning now isn't going to apply in 10 years it's going to be yeah you know totally different ball game which is super bizarre but true um is there any advice that you hold on to that anyone's given you um or any advice that you'd want to give the listeners who are going after something you know as scary as you are yeah i just say relentless persistence you know what i mean like someone once told me you know in this business you know there's that cliche it's 99 no's for one yes and my best advice for anyone would be try to recalibrate your brain to get excited about the 99 no's like every time you get a no be like yes i I gotta know and i know that seems counterintuitive because Yeah, you know, once you get through 99 no's, I don't want to say there's guaranteed, but there's bound to be a yes on the other side. Wow. Um, I think that's really powerful. And um, I've heard similar advice from another one of my actor friends, and I'm holding on to it because it's, you know, it's it's something, like, especially even as a writer, it's just this, the chances seem so slim. But, you know, I like that. Be relentless, keep pursuing it, and... Um, and it's again, it's like if you enjoy the work, then you're gonna you're gonna keep doing it. Yeah, um, totally. And my final question is: Do you feel like you see yourself staying in New York? Like, do you? Because I've I've heard like everyone has a love relationship, love hate relationship with LA. Um, and I I you know I'm not in the industry. I've talked to a lot of different actors and whatever, but I, I can't get a feel for like like where people feel like is a better place to live on. Maybe it's just personal preference, but... I I don't think it says black and white. You know, people used to think if you want to be in film and TV, go to L.A. Now that's totally not true. You could do it in Georgia. But uh, because of theater, and and that's what I'd like to do, I'll be in New York for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, cautiously elated, but, you know, the fight continues. Right. Um, yeah. Do you um, have a launch date for your podcast? Um, it, It's really – I want to go live, but it's my publicist who's trying to pitch it to certain publications. So oh. I'm waiting to find out from – and obviously trust her, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a little kid. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she's yeah. like – you only get one launch. Come on, let's do it right. Yeah. Do it right. Yeah. No, 
oh, I need someone like her in my life because I'm always like, let's go, let's do it, let's just get it out there. Yeah. Like, that's why yeah. I published my book because I'm like, yeah. And, dude, congratulations on that. That's so, yeah, but you did what everyone else in the world talks about doing. You... <laughs> well, thank you. Um, you know, you never know. I, uh, I, I love talking to people like you and other writers and actors and just learning about it. I think a lot of authors have the dream of their work becoming a movie or mini series, and you just never know. And um, I totally respect the hell out of you and other people that are fighting that fight. And um, I look forward to continuing to follow everything you do. And I will um, absolutely share your podcast once it is live. I'll stay tuned and then. Um, I usually have all my guests say uh, where they can be found so that people hear it. And then obviously I put it in the show notes too. So if you want to shout that out for people. Yeah. Yeah. So you can keep in touch with me at my Instagram, which is Ryan M. Perez. That's R-Y-A-N-M-P-E-R-E-Z. And then my website, for whatever reason, if you so choose, RyanMartinPerez.com. Garrett, thank you. I, you got to come down again soon. You're, you're hanging with you and your boyfriend. was so fun. So we got, we got. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I, again, I so admire Ryan's hustle, his determination, the fact that he's attacking this from so many ways, whether it's podcasting or writing or just taking all the auditions that he can. And I feel that, you know, I'm using this podcast as a way to connect to people more deeply, to help you learn as I'm learning because I'm meeting so many great people and I've known so many great people. I'm like, why not share that? If that's a value I can give to the world now, amazing and I'm sure that it will only help my book cold calling the universe which is um still I'm still working on it I'm still committed to that um and yeah I'm just I'm really thankful for your support and I have a lot of exciting content coming so keep on looking forward to most of the time solo casts with me on Sundays the occasional Jeff appearance on Sundays um and interviews on Wednesdays. And if you guys have anybody that you want me to interview, I am so happy to do that. Again, I am a nobody and I'm looking for people who have good stories to tell. So if your friend, your sister, your brother, your mom, you think you have someone good to have um, that has a story to tell, let me know. I'm uh, not turning people down. I'm just looking for good stories. So again, thank you so much. And as always, dare to move.